Howdy folks, Joe here. Before we get into this episode of the WPMRR WordPress podcast, I am formally announcing the WPMRR Virtual Summit. It is coming up on September 23rd through 24th. It's going to be super, super dope. It's an online conference, 100% focused on helping you make monthly recurring revenue work for your WordPress business. Why should you attend? Well, every session and panel is going to be 100% free. All you have to do is register. You'll get access to a, the live event with all of your WordPress friends. Brian Richards, who does WooSesh and WordSesh and WP Sessions, is helping out with it. So you know it's going to be great. We're going to give away a ton of great MRR merchandise. We're having some awesome stuff designed. So if you love monthly recurring revenue, you'll get access to maybe some free stuff. We're also trying to do some good for the world, donating $1 for every registrant to Lawyers for Good Government. If you love justice and you want to make the world a better place, all you have to do is register. And WP Buffs is going to give a dollar to lawyers for good government just for you. And finally, if you really want to make subscription revenue a core part of your business, this is the online conference 100% dedicated to helping you do that. So go ahead, register. I hope to see you in there. Now let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. Hey, hey, good WordPress people. Welcome back to the WPMRR WordPress podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Ballin, son of Funden. And you're listening to the WordPress business podcast. Oh, we got an awesome character on the pod this week. Is that like one of your favorite characters? Do you have like a certain connection with them? It's totally one of my favorite LOTR characters. So Gandalf's my number one, but I don't know that I can say that I'm Gandalf, right? So <laughs> Balin is very no- the noble, I think, very noble dwarf. He's always the, the good team player, looks after everybody. So I like Balin. Yeah, nice. We've had people pick Gandalf on the podcast before, actually. And the conversation actually always comes up is like... Ugh. Maybe I'm Gandalf the Gray and not Gandalf the White. Like I'm, I want to be Gandalf, but like, oh, Gandalf the White is like super high level. I don't know if I'm there yet. Am I allowed to be Gandalf the White? So that conversation has definitely happened before. It's intimidating. But, um, it's totally intimidating. <laughs> yeah, totally cool. Well, we've got an awesome character on the pod this week. I'm not actually from LOTR, Lord of the Rings, but we've got Noah Labhart on the pod this week. Noah, tell us a little bit about. What you do, because I'm not sure it's like totally WordPress specific, but I think you do a little bit with WordPress as well. So yeah, tell us a little bit about about your story and what you do. Sure, sure. So I am a uh, startup entrepreneur. I'm the CTO of a company called Variable. And Variable is a on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. I've been a tech guy for about 15, 16 years now. I'm also a podcast host myself, a podcast uh, being Code Story. I'm a uh, husband. I've been married for 11 years and have three kids, nine, six, and four. And uh, I'm also an outdoorsman. I like to get outside and do a lot of uh, analog activities while I can. So I'm not doing digital all the time. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, we have like a list of things we're going to talk about on the podcast. But after your intro, we may have to talk about totally different things. Because as like a new dad, every time I talk to dad of like, oh, I've got three kids, like older kids, I'm like, okay, I got to like learn some stuff myself. So oh, yeah. uh, there's that. Outdoorsman's cool. I mean, the it's funny how many people are in tech and in technology, but also are super into outdoors and doing like more outdoor analog activities because it like, you have to be able to balance yourself well. You can't just like be in front oh, yeah. of your computer all the time. I've got that problem a little bit sometimes where I'm like, I'm, I'm hanging around. Oh, I should do some work. Maybe I'll just jump on my computer. And then like two hours later, it's like, what happened? Like, and I've had too much computer time. So mm-hmm. let's start there with like that outdoor stuff. So have you always been an outdoors person or did you kind of 
get into it more when you started getting into more tech to balance stuff? Yeah, I've always been kind of an outdoors guy uh, growing up in the country, growing up on a couple acres with some cows and stuff and playing outdoors. You know, we didn't, I didn't even have a computer in my house until I was a junior in high school. So, you know, we didn't have a ton of technology around, worked a lot uh, outside with my hands, with my dad doing projects. And so, I think for me, when I think about being outside, think about doing those things like that, I, it's centering for me to have that balance, to mm-hmm. get out, be in touch with nature, get some sunshine, do things with my hands. And it helps me to see things in a different way too, not just in ones and zeros, but you know, in real natural life. Yeah, I totally like the working with your hands and like really getting out there and like doing I don't want to say digital stuff is not like real stuff because it is, but like I have like his friend Grant who's like does a lot of carpentry and builds like these Adirondack chairs, like he's in the carpentry. And I'm always like, I don't necessarily like think I would want to do that. Like it's not, <laughs> that's not like, that's a little too much like for me, but I am a little bit jealous of like he has like a chair when he's done. Right. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's a cool, like real product. You could sit in that chair. Like for me, I'm like, we're like managing websites, like, or putting out podcast episodes and YouTube videos. It's not like a thing you can really touch and stuff. So sure. yeah, that's cool. But you mentioned you didn't have a computer in your house until like midway through high school. So many stories you hear of people like I started my first online business when I was six years old and I like sold like whatever online. And then they became a successful entrepreneur or whatever, but you started a little later because you kind of had to. So I'd love to hear more about like how you got into computers from there, starting like in high school, maybe you did a little bit more in the years after that. Yeah, sure. So I uh, got the first computer in high school, right? And I mean, we're talking like, you know, minimalist computer, dial-up internet, AOL back then, right? So there was not a lot going on. Played some games, you know, played like, you know, the three and a half floppy inch version of Doom, which I still have the discs on my wall. But, you know, like old school stuff. And then decided, hey, this is pretty cool. I want to learn more about it. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to study it. You know, went into it the first year, uh, didn't know how to study at all, really kind of got weeded out of the computer engineering part of the program. But I was always really good at math. So I I stuck around in math, uh, started majoring in in applied mathematics with a minor in computer science. So I basically started doing computer programming alongside uh, learning more intense mathematics, three-dimensional calculus, differential equations, discrete probabilities, and things like that. So really enjoyed the math side. Got to where I was about to graduate and didn't want to go be a mathematician. Wanted to keep on the software side. Realized I could get a computer science degree alongside my applied mathematics degree mm-hmm. if I just stuck around another year. Took a few more classes. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And while I was doing that, kind of towards the end of my time at Texas A&M, I was working for Hewlett Packard as an intern. Started doing software development there professionally and I was hooked. I loved it. I just really wanted to keep doing that. So that's where that's where it all kind of kind of kicked off there. Nice. I bet you thought you were going to come on this podcast. I guess you didn't know this, but as soon as you started talking about math, I bet you were like, okay, he's going to be lost. He doesn't, who knows about differential equations. I was a mathematics major in college. Awesome. I know all about this stuff. I studied mathematics. I had a minor in education, so not Mm -hmm. quite in the uh, CS area, but I went, I was a math teacher for a couple of years after, after I graduated, but I was super into geometry and topology. So I did my like we did a senior thesis in undergrad and mine was on Gauss-Binet theorem, which is like, it's a topology heavy theory. It's 
pretty much a complex way of telling you how many holes an object has. So you can tell if it's like doing some pretty complex mathematics, you can tell someone based on every point around a three-dimensional object if something's like a torus. So if something is like a donut, pretty much. Or if it's a double torus, like it's a double donut. So people who aren't math people may not totally understand (laughs) this, but I think it's super cool. I did a lot of theoretical mathematics. And the reason I did my thesis on that was because I thought it was so... If you like expanded that out to do that for like our universe, mm-hmm. now we're getting super abstract. But like if you took every <laughs> point in the universe and did some mathematical modeling, you could tell what the shape of our universe is, yeah. which is a very abstract thought. But like people think it's just like this sphere of like universe, right? But maybe it's a torus. Maybe it has like this weird hole in the middle. Maybe uh, like, I don't know. But I right. always thought that was cool. So rock That's on cool. athletes are very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fist up. And CS... <laughs> a CS minor uh, or a computer science minor. I loved, I I liked doing math, but I always wish I'd done a little bit more applicably. Like I always, I kind of always thought like, I think I'd be, I would have been a good engineer or like a good, maybe I should have taken some computer science, but I took like astrology or not astrology, astronomy and mathematics and some physics. And it was all somewhat abstract and not super applicable, but it sounds like you went kind of the, (laughs) a little bit more applicable route and did some computer science with that. And then now, then you moved into Hewlett Packard and did some work there. Was that like IT stuff? It was programming. So it was it was started out some IT stuff. Like we were testing. We were we were an intern center, so we were doing a lot of testing, kind of a lot of the grunt work that some of the HP full time engineers didn't want to do, essentially. But we were we were mm. testing firmware flashing for servers back then. HP was selling a bunch of servers, and we were testing some of those components. But what I got to do was write some software to automate the testing. It was all manual until I got there and, and automated the process through some scripts, through some XML, XSL processing, and then I got to move over to the .NET team and and do some .NET programming, some ASP net some actually some as classic asp c plus plus com components to net so that's at hp i learned a lot about programming and execution professionally from a programming standpoint cool you've mostly lost me in the tech talk because that's not my area of strength but i understand <laughs> the automation in order to make manual programming not having to do 100 hours of manual work you know you instead you run the script and you can maybe do it in a couple hours or maybe faster so Cool. And then got into what you, I guess, do now and transitioned over to that. Tell us a little bit more because you mentioned at the beginning of the episode what you're doing now, but tell us a little more about that. Sure. So at that point, I worked at, I left college, worked at Software Architects, which is a consulting company doing .NET development for Pier 1 Imports. Mm-hmm. After that, I actually went to the corporate world for eight years. And worked for Alcon Laboratories in different areas um, and ultimately ended up in supporting manufacturing, had a team of IT folks there, but was still doing software development on the side. And at that point, I kind of started getting the entrepreneurial itch. It's like, I'm well taken care of. I work for a great company. There's great people here, but I want to do something myself and I want to see the difference I'm making be sort of correlated to the work that I'm putting in. So I left and started a mobile development agency called TouchTap, which is no longer in operation, but did that for two or three years, building startup solutions essentially for people. And then 
at that point, transitioned into what I'm doing now, the CTO at Variable. So Variable is an on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. So we're the Uber for the shop floor. And so we've built a platform to connect businesses and workers, manufacturing workers, distribution, supply chain, uh, blue-collar type workers, to businesses for discrete work opportunities. So we're the third labor paradigm. There's full-time, there's temp staffing, which is really long-term, short-term. And then there is on-demand labor. So we're introducing a new paradigm to manufacturing. Okay. This is super interesting to talk about right now. I think especially now that like COVID stuff's happening and the economy is, whoa, crazy things are happening. How is How are things going over at Variable? Yeah. I don't even know if I could guess because I, I feel like it's, it's hard to know unless you hear you know what's happening from someone there. So how has sure. COVID treated things at Variable? Sure. So I think like like everyone in the beginning, it sort of flattened things for us. You know, we were on we've been on a growth trajectory for two or three years now, upward trajectory, and, and it flattened things for us for a couple of months. But we're back on the upward trajectory now that sort of the you know stimulus money is sort of running out for people. They're wanting to go back to work. And there's a lot of people that are unemployed and need work, and so we're right there ready for them to sign up and get to work. And so really, we're seeing a big boom right now. Uh, people coming back and and wanting to get to work in manufacturing earn some dollars. Yeah, now you have my math brain going. I'm thinking about like the graph, <laughs> flattening of the graph and then going back yeah. up. That makes yeah. sense to me now. I think the first, most people were like, yes, we have to like be very careful. We have to slow things down. There's virus going around. And now like four or five months later, I think things are a little different. People are really starting to get that itch. It's like, well, like, is this going to be forever? In the WordPress right. space, like all Word, official WordPress, like in real life, Meetups, WordCamps are all canceled through 2021. So right, WordPress based are kind of freaking out. Like, is this, I guess this is like going to be next year too, at least for the WordPress community, all virtual stuff. So yeah, cool. So variable stuff starting to pick up again. That's great. One of the things you mentioned in these, in these little notes we have, have people leave before they record the podcast is you mentioned some things about how you build teams non-traditionally. And I love talking about non-traditional solutions here on this on the podcast and in general, because I think a lot of people want to follow best practices. They want to get an exact blueprint for exactly how I do something. Right. And I'm always trying to tell people like, there's not one way to do things. Like you see a million businesses be successful a million different ways. I like to hear the stories about non-traditional ways to do things because I think there's inherent value in that. Maybe some people say, that doesn't sound like my style. Like, I don't think I would do that. And that's fine. But there are definitely a few people out there who will be like, oh, that's interesting. And even if you don't follow that way, you have it plants some seed of idea in your head that can grow into something that could be successful for another business. So let's talk a little bit about some of the hiring you do and team growing and like maybe some of the non-traditional aspects of it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. So I used to be subscribed to the formula, right? To the, okay, I'm, I'm building an engineering team, right? And I, so that means I need to go get a bunch of CS grads or a bunch of senior engineers who've worked in the industry for a long time who have the pedigree, right? And my mind has been totally flopped in that. And when I built a team at Variable, we started out hiring some career changing developers to where you know they started out doing one thing and then they they went to a boot camp to do to learn something else like to learn software development front end web development back end development things of that nature and what i found as as i hired those people and we started working together um, was that they had a better view on the world than most of the cs grads that i had worked with they were developers they weren't programmers programmers for me 
or the, or the types of people that are going to take some specs, sit in the basement and code something out, right? And I don't mean any disrespect to that, but that's, that's what they do. Totally. In a startup space, what I've found is that the people that come in and be developers are the ones that are really going to contribute to the long-term vision and the success of the company and the product. And what I started to do was partner with this boot camp, local boot camp called Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain teaching you know, React programming, some Angular, but mainly React, some backend stuff, some really practical, useful knowledge for individuals who, they weren't all career changers, but a lot of them were. And what I started to notice when I interact with those individuals was that they were building solutions that were solving problems in a different way, but in a better way. They were able to see the world, see solutions to the problems that they were solving in, you know, from their perspective. So like my, my lead friend and engineer was a uh, English teacher for, you know, many, many years before he went to to switch his career into programming. And I actually have a couple of English teachers, uh, or a couple of teachers on, on my team. One that was doing biomedical research before he switched into programming. So individuals that have different stories, I have a, a recruiter, a guy who did recruiting for a long time and decided to switch into the coding that he was he was recruiting for. So they just, they see the world as an end user and as a developer. And, you know, they see it also as we're solving problems here. We're solving business problems. We're, we're creating solutions for, you know, we're not trying to build a embedded system for a fighter plane that has to be algorithmically perfect, right? We're building something to solve solutions and we're trying to get things to market fast. And what I noticed was those types of people did it the best. So in a non-traditional way, I, I went after, and I still do today, go after those types of people over CompSci. Yeah, that's a really cool idea because I think that a lot of people traditionally when they're hiring programmers or developers, they kind of, they split almost like their business or company into like different pieces. One is like the business development people who are like focusing on the business solutions and maybe the marketing and sales. And then there's the developers who are more building the solutions and the business development folks think like I can handle like managing the development team to build a business solution. But I think what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like if you have a team that in its entirety, understands the business problems and can also build something like together as a team to solve that business solution. Everyone understands and is like moving in that same vector in the same same direction. You can build something better or you can do it faster or more efficiently. Whatever you want your advantage to be would hopefully have advantages in building something better or faster or something like that. So I totally, that resonates with me because I think like at, at WP Buffs, we hire a lot of WordPress engineers. We have mm-hmm. 15, 16 engineers on the team. And we've we've tried to like, I don't want to put this entirely in like from a financial perspective, but like we've tried to hire like more expensive, like senior engineers mm-hmm. to do a lot of the work that we do. And a lot of them are not as good as the as almost like junior level engineers because yeah. it seems to not always just be a like, do you know how to do everything necessarily? From a technical standpoint, a lot of it is, are you a hard worker? Are you someone who can figure out challenges? Can you like Google something to like figure out a problem, right? Like a lot, that's a lot, like a good amount of solutions of how to figure something out. WordPress is open source. So if someone's done it, someone's probably like written a blog post about it. So you can probably figure out a solution. And that in our experience has actually been more valuable than necessarily just like hiring senior level people who have maybe seen or experienced a lot because WordPress is all about edge cases. You never really know like what you're going to see. So that's right. super interesting. And it sounds like that's been pretty successful for you in terms of hiring in the past. 
Absolutely. No, totally. And it's interesting, you know, they're also, they're able to solve problems in a different way. They're able to see the world different way, but they're, mm. they're hungry too. You know, you talk about the, I totally relate to that. Talk about the senior engineers, the guys that, you know, have been doing it for years, the guys and gals that have been doing it for years and they're very good at what they do, but they're sort of set in their ways. Right. And mm. I don't mean that to be a bad thing. That, that's a good thing. You understand certain things, but from a junior developer standpoint, you're hungry. Right. And so a lot of the developers that we've hired are hungry. They want to come in. They want to learn. They, they're excited about what they're doing. You know, they're, they're jazzed to learn the best way to do things and new way to do things. And they're excited to figure out, well, how can we solve this one like little edge problem using the tools that we have? In a startup particularly, you need that. You need that hunger. And I really appreciate that about a team that I've hired. Yeah, that's on every job description we have up on our website at the top. The three biggest things are like humble, hungry, smart. I like yeah, the, I love just that. to get good expectations for people. But the hungry part is like super important. I totally agree with you. I don't know if I'd call us like a startup anymore. Like we're pretty like proven, like we've like reached this like million dollar a year mark. Some might call us a startup, but I think we're kind of more of an established company, at least from like my perspective, like somewhat established. So sure, we're maybe not a startup, but we're still a small company. And having people who are not set in their ways is super important because we're still smart, small enough that we're so at, we still need to be agile. We need to be able to move directions and change quickly. So sometimes instead of like hiring someone who's like, I'm very, very good at these two things and I can like crush these two things. Sometimes we need that maybe in some areas, but in a lot of areas, it's much more like, can you be flexible? Like, can you handle like multiple different kinds of workloads? Can you work across different areas of the business? That's so, so valuable to us. Like yeah. Dean is on our team. Like he's our head of customer success. So he leads a customer success team. He also takes sales calls. He just happens to also be really good at sales. He's been in the business for a little while. So he understands from a customer success standpoint, also like what are pain points for people? So he takes 15 sales calls a week and mm -hmm. closes a lot of them. So that flexibility is enormously beneficial to us. And it's not because he's some senior customer success person with 10 years. He actually started doing customer success here. And it just turns out he's pretty good at it. And he's been hungry enough to develop professionally himself to get help, some help from me. But I take very little credit for He does most of this stuff on his own. He's hungry. He gets the work done. He betters himself and becomes very good at what he does and is very flexible in his skill sets. And I think that's something to look out for in terms of hiring. And so a lot of these non-traditional, like this core of non-traditional hiring you're talking about actually resonates a lot with me. I think that mm -hmm. probably other folks would agree with you, especially in startup circles. Yeah. This, there's also this conversation of like, because WP Buffs is, is revenue. It's grown from its own revenue. We're a bootstrap business. I started the business with a few thousand bucks and grew it to where it is today. So we haven't raised any money. We don't have like VC funding or angel funding or anything like that. So mm. I never like had an influx of cash to like hire a senior person in the first place. So it wasn't even really an option for me. I kind of had to do it this way, right? Um, sure. Some people think like, yeah, Hewlett Packard, right? Maybe they could hire like senior engineers for, you know, $250,000 a year or whatever, or they could hire like people who came right out of business school to work on all that, you know, they have those resources to do that because they have a lot of cash and they have generating a lot of revenue, but we generate some, but like a million dollars a year is nothing compared to total line item for a big company like that. Right. So I think startups should actually like, this seems to me like it should be more of the roadmap than pe what people think traditionally in terms of hiring. Right. So yeah, it's super interesting to hear you have that experience too. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's been really cool. It's been really eye-opening and, and definitely has changed my perspective on a lot of things. Yeah, sweet. Let's shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about Code Story. So you, I guess, have recently launched season three of Code Story. And so tell us a little bit about the podcast, what it's about, how it got started. Sure. Yeah. So kind of a podcast junkie. Listen to a lot. One of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This with Guy Raz. I have a WordPress friend who has a podcast called How I Built This, Joe Casabona. And oh, it's yeah. called How I Built This. And I think it started around the same time. It is both mm-hmm. have the same title. And so when I hear How I Built This, I'm like, oh, Joe's podcast. But people also know, oh, yeah, Guy has his podcast too. So, and which is, I think Joe's podcast is also very well known in the WordPress space. But How I Built This by Guy Raz, I, I know is a big podcast. Yeah, I actually know Joe's podcast too. So yeah, uh, no, I've, yeah. I've listened to it. Yeah, it's a great podcast. So yeah, so I was heavily influenced by Guy Raz's podcast. And I looked around essentially for something that was like that, but specifically for tech, you know, well narrated mm-hmm. uh, with a music bed on it, and kind of created some tension in the story. and some resolution in in the story as well. And I couldn't find it. Um, Couldn't find it exactly for what I was looking for in the tech space. And not necessarily, I'm not looking for, you know, like I want to know how the ones and zeros are generated, right? I'm not, I don't want to get in the weeds, but we're tech folk, right? So we, our hammers are the frameworks that we use. Our hammers, you know, for for you, WDBuffs, your hammer is WordPress, right? My hammer for at variable is React and Node. And, and so those things, you know, I want to hear the stories about how we're using our hammers and what we went through as humans to build the things that we're building. So I decided to do it. I decided to do it myself. I had a couple of friends that started some podcasts, saw that they were having a good time. And have done great with their podcast. So I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I uh, recorded my first episode with my college roommate, Ryland Barnes. He's a successful tech entrepreneur here in Dallas. And recorded that. And it took me six months to finish the first episode. <laughs> so <laughs> What took so long? Was it just, did you mean, you mean like it just like to get around to actually working on it? It took a little bit of time. That was part of it was time. The other part was just being a perfectionist. I was trying to make it perfect. Uh, and it was the first episode. You, you got to just get it out there and let people tell yeah. you what they want. So you were do. editing, so, you were editing the audio. You were like the audio engineer on it. Got it. Yeah. I was doing the whole thing. I was laying the music. I was, you know, mm. putting all the clips together and things like that. And so I ended up hiring an editor to get out of my own way. I had an editor for season one, season two, season three. I'm actually back doing it by, by myself, but I've gone through a couple of seasons. So I kind of know how, right. how I want to do it. So yeah, launched that in June of last year of 2019 and we're in season three. We're nearly 60 episodes in and it's been really awesome. I got to, I've gotten to have conversations with peers in the tech space and some really interesting folks and hear their stories, hear how they went about things. And it's been really great. That's cool, man. I love doing this podcast. As listeners know, it's like a pretty informal podcast. Like, yeah, it's well produced. Shout out Bradley, producer. Awesome. But it's not like it's not like building tension. It's just like totally a conversation. And the audience is kind of a fly on the wall of of me chatting with someone. So I love doing this podcast. It's great. But one of the things that we don't have, and it's kind of by design, but also sometimes I'm like, I kind of wish we had this a little more is like a little bit more storytelling, a little bit more like podcast produced in a way like guys podcast, right? It's like, it's like when I hear like a Ted radio hour and it's like, this story is like amazing. And it's like before audio, I can tell, right? So it's like really enticing, like makes me want to listen to more of these awesome stories from people, especially Ted radio hour, which is like, it's not necessarily for startups, but it is like really just cool people doing cool stuff, right? So we don't really have that. And so I'm going to definitely listen to a few episodes and get some of that. The website is code codestory.co for folks That's who right. want to go check out that podcast. I actually had a, a question for you, which is, 
And this may have been based on like hearing guys podcast. I don't know if how I built this does seasons, but you decided to go the season route. I was thinking about it when we started this podcast. And honestly, I thought like, that sounds like too much organization and work. I just want to like record <laughs> and put them out when I like every week, whatever, easy. But you're doing more like chapters, I guess. And like, in terms of having seasons for the podcast. So is that something you decided to do because you kind of wanted to have this like storyboard arc of ideas or was that just kind of like, sometimes it's people always, when something good happens or like, you must've done that meaningfully. Maybe it was just like a random decision you made, who knows, but I'd love to know like kind of what prompted that. Sure. It was a bit of a random decision. Okay. So the, the first season I was like, okay, if I did seasons, what would be the right number? Okay, 20, 20 feels good. Okay, cool. Mm. I'm almost to 20. I guess I'll call it the end of a season. Right. right? <laughs> uh, so, so I started doing that. But what I did notice was that it's easier to have a conversation and kind of a relaunch of, a, of the podcast for each season. So you can say, yeah. you know, season two is coming up or season three is coming up, right? And you can kind mm. of get people excited about the Build new stories tension. that are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Build some suspense, build some tension. It's also a little bit interesting around advertising because then you can sell a season, you can sell yeah. half a season, you can sell episodes, things like that. Right. You can talk about some of the people that you are interviewing and sort of help sell some of the ad spots there, which ad spots are a little rough right, right now with COVID. So it's um, yeah. really just a little more artistic right now. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think I've been pretty lucky. This podcast started about a year and a half ago. And for the whole time, it's been fully funded by WP Buffs. So I've been very lucky that like I audio and I audio engineer. I record these here every week and like, you know, Bradley's team comes out on podcasts and YouTube every week. Like I don't have to do anything. Right. And the audio engineering is great. And Bradley's team is amazing. Bradley's team is absolutely fantastic. Or like anything like that. I guess I could, if I wanted to like generate more revenue from the podcast, but I kind of, I don't know. I like what I do. And to me, that's the most important part. It's like, it doesn't have to make the most optimized amount of money always. I just want to do this, but that's not every podcast, right? Sure. So I think that interesting to hear like see, like how you can do seasons and it does change the way maybe you think about sponsorships or you think about how your audience consumes things. I think that it's just packaging it differently, which I think right. is always interesting because it's like we talked about before, there's not one way to build something successfully. Some people do seasons, some people don't do seasons, but the at the end of the day, it's really just like, can you put like a good product together, right? Yeah. So any Code Story episodes that kind of stand out to you as one that was like, ooh, that was a really cool one that people should go check out or any, maybe like one of the seasons you were like, ooh, that was a great season. <laughs> yeah, I love them all. But I think the couple that were that have been really popular was uh, Matt Center of Lolly. So Lolly is a uh, a product that you can just do normal online purchases and get rewards in Bitcoin. Um, so that was one that was really interesting. And Matt's a really cool guy. Ryan Graciano of Credit Karma. That was one that was really popular and really great interview. Lots of you know seasoned tech talk from Ryan around you know cool. some, some microservices talk, some team building things like that. So that was really cool. Uh, I have uh, one coming up. And I think two or three weeks, Elias Torres of Drift. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting one um, as well. But I, every one of them has some really, really great tidbits in them. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll interview, you know, new startups, new startup founders, you know, solo startup founders, and all the way up to, you know, stuff that's the size of like Credit Karma. I'm hoping to get Kathy Polinsky of Stitch Fix as well. I think their technology is really interesting. Sweet. So, yeah, th- those are some of my favorites. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've listened to a lot of podcasts that are like more for smaller, more bootstrap businesses like the Indie Hackers podcast. 
I mean, they've had some big guests on there, like folks from like Basecamp and and yeah. bigger founders, but a lot, a lot of small founders. You know, maybe people doing like five thousand dollars a month in revenue because a lot of people from Indie Hackers Community are starting off and they want to get to five thousand dollars a month in month right. in revenue. Um, but some big folks as well. The, one of the questions we get a lot is like, how do you? We get podcast questions all the time, but uh, one of the big ones, like, how do you grow your show? How do you like grow your listenership? How do you become more visible and this kind of stuff? And there are definitely multiple ways to do it, right? Like we've talked about, there's a lot of different ways to be successful in it. But for someone who like is able to get a few pretty big guests on, like Credit Karma is like a pretty big business, maybe like a billion dollar business. I actually don't know, but like definitely like multi, multi million dollar business, like big business. Is that something where like after you interview those people on those podcast episodes goes go live, you see like a boost in listenership? Are there some like strategies you're using around having these big guests that you kind of ask them like, hey, can we like share this with your audience? Like, I'm just, I guess, wondering, some people do like care about show growth and they want to do more of that stuff. Some people are like, whatever, like, mm. I don't even check my analytics. Like, I just want to do the show. But <laughs> some people want to use podcasting as like something to help grow their audience. So anything that you do around using some of those bigger guests, because I feel like we have some listeners that maybe they're like trying to get that big guest. And once they do, they're like, oh shit, like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I want to take advantage of this. I don't know if there's anything you do specifically for those bigger guests. Yeah. I mean, for growing the show, there's three things I do. And one of them is around the guests. The bigger the guests, the more, the wider the net they're sharing on social media is going to provide, right? People, and, and the more, call it like evergreen content that you can have, right? So, you know, the Ryan Graciano interview, I've gotten a lot of downloads even past the first 30 days because people look look up stuff about him a lot and about how he goes about solving problems. Same thing with Matt Center. And then a lot of the individuals too that are a little more indie hacker-ish, there's a lot of community built around. So the type of guest is important and the wide exposure that they will give your show is helpful, is, is helpful to get downloads. Another thing that is that I do that is helpful is go guest on other shows. So like, you know, on your show, you know, this is fantastic. I love going and having conversations. It's really fun, but it gets in, gets me in front of other audiences. But honestly, the best thing that works to grow your show is to go out and tell people about it and work for every listen. <laughs> That's the thing that works the best. It's it's like a startup. I mean, you build an app and you have to work for every download. There's no secret formula for the most part. There's no secret formula that you just do one thing and all of a sudden your stuff goes viral. That's a very rare occurrence. So I've learned to just work for every download, tell people about it, get feedback, try to make the show as good as I can. But those big guests do help and kind of a quick boost. Right. Yeah, I love that advice. I couldn't give better advice myself. I'm just going to repeat them just so folks are listening who are like scrambling for notepads. Like here they are again. Uh, so you don't have to rewind. Evergreen content for big guests. I think I actually have a follow-up question that we'll try ask in a second. Another thing is guesting on other shows. I tried to as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're on the WPMRR podcast this week. I'm going to be on the Code Show show next week. So, you know, maybe we can do some audience swaps there, right? So it's... Absolutely. You want to get in front of other audiences. You want to put yourself in front of new people who maybe don't listen to your podcast, but maybe listen to another podcast. Also, we actually talked about this before we started the show. Like if someone's listening to one podcast, they probably have their podcast player open. And if you say, hey, listeners, the WPMRR podcast, go check out code. Uh, excuse me. check Go check out... Uh, <laughs> code story. Go check out code story uh, on your podcast player. Hey, maybe some people right now are opening their podcast player. Hint, hint, and going to check out this, this show, right? So it's a nice transition for people, easy transition for people to make. But the best advice is probably the working hard for every listener. I think some people see podcast episodes go viral, right? 
like a lot of like Joe Rogan podcast episodes are like, whoa, like this yeah. crazy thing was said on this podcast and it got a 10 million listens in two days. And it's like, yes, that can happen when you already have a big audience and you're already <laughs> that big. Exactly. Most of the big viral things, I don't want to say all of them because I've definitely heard things go viral from very small shows and that's mm. great, but that's definitely the exception. Most things that go big and they start with a sizable audience already. So someone has an audience with 100,000 listeners and they have something that is viral like uh, fodder or viral content that has the potential to do that. And a hundred, you know, 50,000 people listen to that. And then it just, it, it has that virality kind of built in because that audience is already there. So don't feel right. bad if going viral from day one. I actually tell people, if you want to start a podcast, don't expect like things to even be mildly successful for like a year, right? Like you should, you, you're going to have to work on the podcast for a little while to make it good, to get the feedback, to make it great content, to get listeners and to like, gain that visibility. So I think working for every listener is, is really important. Yeah. The quick follow-up question I was going to ask was like about around the evergreen content, because mm-hmm. we've thought about doing more of this on the on our podcast, but we haven't really yet. When I think about like, you have big guests, people search for those guests. Does that mean you're doing some work on codestory.co around SEO, like trying to optimize podcast episodes for the name of that guest? So when someone searches for CEO of Credit Karma, your podcast episode will come up. So if someone's like, oh, I want to listen to that person, they'll find your podcast and maybe become a listener. Is, is that, do you do that kind of growth work? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where my WordPress cool. stuff comes in. So all, all of my podcast site is WordPress. And, you know, I, I focus a lot on the SEO to make sure that one, the SEO, and then make sure I'm, I'm distributing my podcast everywhere I can as well, because it mm-hmm. shows up on any platform, any, anywhere anybody's searching for, you know, say Ryan Graciano, right, that it's going to pop yeah. up uh, or Credit Karma. So pay a lot of attention to that. Mm-hmm. I use uh, Yoast plugin for WordPress to really check out my SEO, make sure it's the open graph stuff is sharing nice, you know, has totally. the excerpts correctly and things like that. So yeah, it is something I, I pay attention to a lot and make sure is, is optimized as much as I can, as much as I have time for. Yeah, I think there's branded and non-branded SEO kind of. So there's like people search for like how to do X, Y, and Z. And a lot of those are pretty competitive because there are going to be a lot of websites that want to try and rank for that and collect email addresses or get someone to buy their thing. But for branded SEO, which is more like the name of a company or the name of a person, a lot of that is less competitive, probably gets less searches, but I bet there's some low-hanging fruit out there for like, I bet... 300 people a month search for the CEO of Credit Karma. I don't know. I I totally pulled it out of my ass. But like, (laughs) let's say 300 people a year search for that. Well, like he may have some stuff that he's trying to do some like reputation management and some branded stuff for himself. But if you at Code Story have this website with a decent domain authority and a a podcast that's ranking for his name, and maybe you're the only podcast that really tried to do the the on-page SEO for his name. So if he's Mm -hmm. been on a few podcasts, yours is going to be the choice for Google. Yours shows up, I don't know, in the second spot. That gets 100 clicks a month from those 300 searches. Hey, that's only one podcast episode and maybe it took 15 minutes of on-page SEO and it took an hour to record the podcast and maybe it took four hours to like do the work to get him on the show. But hey, in five hours of work, that's 100 searches a month. You know, you repeat that 50 times. Hey, you've got good traffic coming to the site and new listeners organically coming to your show that Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay for really moving forward, except for, I guess, some probably some like SEO maintenance maybe. But most of that's pretty free moving forward. So I like the idea a lot. We don't do very much of that on our on our show. At least we haven't in the past. At some point we will. I honestly just like have not gotten around to it yet because the podcast is still just this like whatever. It's a podcast. It's like a fun thing. 
If I drive traffic, that's fine. If listeners find us, that's fine. At some point, maybe we'll get more serious about growth stuff. I've thought also about doing more transcripts on page because I know Google cares a lot about having good content on the page. And if you just have a podcast episode on the page, you know, that's fine. But if you've got, mm. you know, 2000 words of content, even if right. it's just a transcript, Google's going to be like, Ooh, authoritative page. Like yeah, we should rank that better. But also there's a question of like, is it worth paying all that money for 110 transcripts of episodes we have so far for, right not so much traffic searches for like guests. Like, I don't know at this point right. to me, it's more, I want transcripts for accessibility purposes, but we have that on YouTube. Now, another reason we went into YouTube, Hey, we can do video here, but we can also have transcripts for people. So anybody can watch and anybody can get a transcript of the, of the episode. So Very uh, cool. words under the episode you should see down below. If not, <laughs> I'll make sure they go on there. Make sure you hit me up. So yeah, but I think that's a cool idea. And then I want to go back to the, like that working for every listener. That's just, it's so important. Let's start wrapping up, but I'd love to hear like, how do you keep yourself motivated to continue to work for every listener? Because I think at the beginning, when you're excited about the podcast, it's easy. Like I'm 110 episodes in, like, I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes it's like, it feels more like a slog than it does. Like I'm excited about it. Like honestly, sometimes I have episodes scheduled. I'm like, Oh, like I got to do this episode today. Like, I don't, I don't really feel like it. Like, should I postpone it? Like, should I like make a bullshit excuse? Like why I can't have to record today? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Right. Like that happens to me. Like, and I try to find ways to stay motivated and I love the show overall. Right. But how do you stay motivated to like, keep doing what you're doing? Even if you're having to work for every single listener and if maybe stuff isn't going totally viral, like how do you keep rolling through things? Yeah, sure. There's a couple of things I think that help me stay motivated. One, this podcast is in a space where I'm passionate about already. It's what I do, right? So I'm basically talking to my peers when I record this, these episodes. And so it's really, it's really fun to me because I can be like, oh, I asked this, you know, kind of general, maybe not general, but specific question about uh, that sort of follows the outline of my interview. And then I get an answer and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about there. I'm going to dig into that a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. so really the conversations to me are, are pretty fun. And I learn a lot from the conversations already. And then two, the editing part of it and the, the music, I've, I've been a musician for many, many years. And so it, there's a little bit of an artistic creative thing for me as well, putting the music to mm -hmm. it, creating the story, creating the narrative. So that that also is motivating. So I think those two things are, are the main backbone of the motivation. I like it when the numbers are, are good too. I like it when there's lots of advertisement. That's obviously great. But really, those are the things for me. That's That's really why I do it is for those two things. Yeah, I totally hear you on that. And I think what I get from that is I think a lot of people now the podcasting is like a big thing. They want to start a podcast to like yeah. primarily grow their audience to become an influencer, have a bunch of people they can talk to about whatever their area is. But I think the most important part uh, starting a podcast is like, it has to be fun. It has to be something not only that you're like passionate about that topic area, but something like you should be really excited to like talk about that kind of stuff. Like you shouldn't yeah. start a podcast because you want to get a hundred thousand listeners. Like you're not, you're going to fail. You're not going to make it there because you're going to quit after a month or six months because your goal isn't like to do something that's awesome and fun. And right. like there are certain things that I do at the podcast that are probably not good for growing a podcast. If I'm being honest, like <laughs> honestly, there's things I like to do. Like I've, we're actually switching this up right now, but 
we have this gag at the beginning of the podcast where you introduce yourself as like this fun character. And I put those into the titles of all of our podcast episodes in the past at the beginning, which is probably not good for SEO. <laughs> I know it's not good for SEO. I do SEO. I know it's not good for search, like searches because you want to have like, if someone's looking for Noah uh, Labhart, you want to put your name at the beginning of the title tag. We haven't done that for hundred episodes, but whatever. Like I liked, like this is a fun part of the episode for me. Right. And I enjoy it. And I wouldn't say that's the only thing that keeps me doing these podcast episodes, right? There are a lot of things, but that's like a funny like gag that I like to do at the beginning of the show. And like, if people don't like it, like whatever, don't listen to the show or whatever. Like, so that's just one small example, but like, mm-hmm. to me, that's an important thing is like to do your podcast. I guess that's what I want to get across is like, do the podcast you want to do. And every potential podcast, maybe I won't say it that way. I was going to say every podcast has an audience. That's probably not true, but you can find like, as long as you start a podcast and you like get a few listeners and get some feedback and listen to what people like and don't like and adjust as you move forward, you can find your audience and still do what you want to do, but don't do the podcast that you think you're supposed to do to like be Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan podcast or be the, like how I built this podcast. Take those as motivation and as a musician, do the music, enjoy that part. Like, I think people always want to hire an audio engineer to do all their stuff or like a freelancer to do that. But you like to do that stuff. Like, do it. That's what you should be spending your time on. Because like, Absolutely. if you're enjoying it, then like, what else could you ask for except like doing something that you enjoy doing? At some point, you may want to monetize it and get sponsors and stuff. And, sure. you know, we get customers at WP Buffs because they listen to this podcast. But like the most important part if you want to do a podcast is like, enjoy it. So that's right. I'll end a little bit on that fluffy note, but I think it's an important one as well. Um, so Solid. I usually like to end. Once you tell folks where they can find you, you told me before this podcast, you're not on Twitter. So I guess they can't find you there, but like, where can they go to find code story or find you on other social stuff you do? Sure. So you can uh, check out CodeStory.co or any major podcast directory. Um, you can check more about me at noahlabpart.com. And uh, I'm also on, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can grab, you can find me on there. Sweet. And last thing I like to ask our guests for is to ask our audience and our listeners for a little iTunes review. So if you wouldn't mind asking folks for a little review, I'd appreciate that. Sure, absolutely. So I would love it if you uh, would go into your Apple podcast or actually go to codestory.co slash rate and rate the podcast. And I would also appreciate it if you'd go to search for WP Buffs and give a rating as well an Apple podcast. There you go. If you search for WP Buffs and Apple podcast, you will find nothing because we have no <laughs> WP Buffs podcast. But you can search for it anyway and enjoy the loading screen there. WPMRR, if you leave oh. a review for the show, make sure you leave a comment with Noah's name in there. Maybe something you learned from this episode so that one we can shoot a screenshot to know and be like thanks for the review we appreciate that but two it helps us know what new episodes we want to do because if we get a few reviews for a certain episodes like oh we should talk about what no one talked about more on the podcast so codestory.co i just became a subscriber on the podcast i don't know if this is reversed on youtube (laughs) but you have one new subscriber on the podcast thank you codestory.co if you want to hear tech stories that are more focused on storytelling. Maybe you're like tired of this podcast and you're like, this is so informal. Like they just talk about stuff and that's cool. But I want like a more well-produced like storytelling, like tech podcast. Hey, Noah's podcast is a good one. So go check out codestory.co. If you are a new listener to the show, we've got a bunch of old episodes. We're like a hundred and something episodes in. So Christy and I, and I'm guests, we've talked about a bunch of different stuff on the podcast. So if you have questions about pricing or hiring or building MRR, we've got 
tons of episodes on it. So go back, listen to some old episodes instead of binging whatever the folks are binging these days on Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max or Disney Plus. You don't need any of those shows. Go binge something that'll help you grow your business. If you have questions for us at the show, we'd love to do a Q&A episode. So I'll shoot those into yo at WPMRR.com. And we love to do some Q&A episodes. So definitely do some more of those in the upcoming months. What else am I supposed to do to wrap the show up? I guess we talked about iTunes review. So leave us a review. It helps us get found. And it's good to get reviews, I guess. That's what people say. I don't know. Do we show up more in the iTunes store when people search for WordPress? Probably. I don't know. I'm not an algorithm apple person but that sounds right check out the show on youtube if you're watching this on youtube hey you should like this episode because that helps us with the algorithm too or become a subscriber on youtube i think we're almost like 100 subscribers now so that would be cool if you subscribed growing the youtube channel it's a whole thing so appreciate that we will be in your podcast players again next tuesday and back on youtube i think we're publishing on thursdays I'm not 100 sure on that but probably thursdays i'm pretty sure if not I apologize. It's one It's one of the seven days of the week. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you all again next week. Noah, thanks again for being on, man. It's been real. Thanks for having me. 